Good morning, church family. Today, I need you to turn to John chapter 2, starting our second chapter of John. And we are going to look at the wedding of Cana, which is the first sign. Remember, John, uh, through his book, is going to give us some signs uh, pointing to Jesus. Uh, They're miracles, but John calls them signs because the intent, the purpose is for us to see Jesus in all of that. Um, Signs are important. I hope you guys knew how to get here this morning without looking at signs, right? Um, And sometimes there are some important signs that you need that sometimes you might have missed. There was one this morning that you really, really needed, and I'm going to see who actually saw that sign this morning, okay? Ready? So here we go. Ready, set, go! All right, better than first service, probably what, 10%? There were like two people out of 25 this morning. Now, some of you are like, what, what, what? When you exit this morning and go through any of the three exits, turn back around, there's a little sign that said, when Pastor Randy says go, raise your right hand, right? Now, how many of you, there were some of you that raised your hand, how many of you shared that sign out of the importance to your loved ones? Oh, oh, we'll get to that later. All right. So signs are important, right? You have to learn the signs. You have to learn the different colored signs for driving. Okay, white is informational. Red is stop. Okay, all the way stop. Not a California roll, you know, through the stop sign. But signs are important. We need signs. Uh, If I show up and want a Chick-fil-A sandwich, I don't want to pull into the place that has a bell and a taco with it, right? Um, so you, you kind of need to know where to go. John is setting us up saying that, that there are some signs that point to Jesus. Uh, there are some signs. John needs us to not only see what Jesus did, his miracles, but the signs. Where are they pointing to? Uh, what is important about Christ in that sign? What does it mean for us to understand more of Jesus, to understand him how, as the Son of God, as Messiah, so that we may believe? Uh, And so John is setting us up with this first sign, this first story uh, in chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 12, Uh, but John is setting us up so that we know what to look for and what these signs are. Um, And so starting in in verse 1, and I'm not going to read it straight out, but I'll let you guys follow along. Here we have Jesus and his disciples, along with his mother, who had been invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And during their celebration, the wine runs out. Now, that's bad, bad, bad news. Okay, this isn't uh, Western culture where you have, you know, a 20-minute ceremony, uh, and then you head over to the reception, and you have a couple hours, three hours, you know, reception for the wedding. No, these things were a week long. Uh, now, I don't know the stress level of that, because I know some stressed-out brides and grooms and families for their little four-hour shindig all together. Imagine an entire week, and you have people hanging out. Like, you've got to feed them, they've got to have beverages, whatever, for the entire week. You run out, your name is mud. Uh, For the rest, like, you will never live it down. Um, Possibly even some legal issues. You know, you advertise seven days worth of wedding festivities, and you ran out in four days. Um, so, So it was a big deal to run out of wine during this ceremony, during this, inv- this uh, event that the bride and groom are putting on. 
And Mary, for some reason, maybe knows the family, uh, is kind of helping out with some organization role of the wedding, knows that they're running out, she, so she runs to Jesus and says, they have no wine. You know, what can you do? First of all, as a, as a mother to son, you know, make a run to the store, I don't know, do something, help us out here. But she also knew who he was, doesn't she? Uh, she knows that he is the son of God. She knows who he is. And maybe she was kind of hoping uh, for something that, that he would do. Now, there's no, there are no miracles recorded previously. Uh, this is the first recorded miracle that Jesus does. So he hasn't really done anything potentially for her to kind of say, hey, come on, you know, do your thing. Uh, she, she's like, help. Uh, and he responds a little bit harsh, it seems. You know, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not come. Um, now, I don't suggest this for any child of any mother to ever pull that on your mom, okay? Especially teenagers. Could you imagine this conversation? Mom comes in, hey, take out the trash. Woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not come, right? Would that go over? Wouldn't have gone over in my house. You know, the second time attempted, hey, make your bed, woman. And let me tell you this, if you try this, you might discover that your hour has come a lot faster than you thought it would, right? No way. There's no way. I, I tried that a few times, and I learned my lesson. Uh, anyway, um, so it seems a little harsh, but in, in that culture, this phrase was not, uh, was not condescending to Mary, uh, it wasn't necessarily one that uh, was loving, you know, that mom, hey, you know, it's not really my business. No, it's this woman. And so it wasn't necessarily disrespectful, uh, but not quite that term of endearment. And he also says, what does this have to do with me? Um, and even in the Greek, it kind of says, you know, what does it really have to do with me or you? Like, it's none of our business. That's on them as their wedding we just showed up to enjoy. Um, but he, he, at this point, potentially, also is this time of him beginning his ministry. Uh, he has been under the parenting of Mary, uh, and now here is the first move for him to begin this ministry, uh, begin this time as Messiah, uh, as Savior. And so maybe there is even this change of, you know, this doesn't really concern me. My hour has not yet come. Uh, and this hour is the hour of his death when he as the Lamb of God will take away the sins of the world. That is the, the hour. Um, and Jesus is kind of setting us up. Here's his journey to get to that point as he begins. And basically saying, <clears throat> my timeline, this hour, uh, the things I need to do are, are laid out by the Father. Uh, and my game plan is laid out by the Father, knowing that cross, the cross will be the ultimate appointment of his death, uh, and then resurrection for, for him to conquer sin and death. But that hour has not yet come. So Mary understands this on some level and finally just kind of turns to the servants and say, look, listen to Jesus. Whatever he says, just get it done. Uh, and so the servants understand, and she understands with faith that he's going to have a plan. So then Jesus turns to the, the servants and points to the six stone water pots uh, that were the, used for ceremonial cleansing performed before the meals 
and instructs the servants to fill them to the brim with water. Now, hopefully they dumped the old water out because that's what they were washing hands with, feet. Um, and so they fill it to the brim with water. Uh, and with all six containers, there were probably about 120 gallons worth of water uh, that these six barrels, uh, stone water pots, uh, once they were filled, that's about how much? 120 to 150 gallons of water. And then why to the brim? And I just put on here, because Jesus doesn't do anything halfway, right? I'm thankful for that. Uh, the abundance of God's grace through Christ is evident, even in the simple act of, of filling these water pots. So Jesus next commands the servants to draw some of the water out and take it to the master of the feast. And suddenly from the time the servants draw the water to the master of the, the feast drinking from the ladle or whatever spoon, it turns to wine. Um, and this, the simple act of water turning to wine is that's where that pivot is, that miracle, uh, the sign that John is sharing with us. And the master of the feast is shocked. It's the best wine he's probably ever tasted. Uh, I mean, it came from Jesus, right? And as a matter of fact, he turns to the bridegroom and says, look, you've really messed up because the custom back then it's for you to serve the good wine first, um, and, and everyone's enjoying their festivities, and then you kind of sneak in the, the less or the cheaper wine for them. And all of a sudden, the, the groom has provided the best wine, better than what they started off with. Uh, and so the master of the feast said, you have kept the good wine until now. Uh, and from all indications, only the disciples and the servants at this point know what happened uh, and what that transition was. Now, I'm putting a side note in here because I'm not going to get into was the wine grape juice, was it really wine compared to today's alcohol level. Um, I personally have a family history of, of those who have um, uh, had too much alcohol, basically were pretty mean drunks and backed off of that. And so I personally don't even go that direction. Um, because I know that the first step to alcoholism is the first drink. Uh, and so I avoid that. Scripture talks about drunkenness, and we'll leave it there and go on, because this real, the story isn't about this. Uh, and I know people use it, and that's, oh, Jesus drank wine, he turned water into wine. I get that. Um, but here is, you know, we'll stop here, and then we'll continue on. So as we look at verse 11... John states that this was the beginning of signs in the ministry of Jesus. And as a result of this sign, Jesus' glory was revealed and the disciples believed in him. So remember John's twofold purpose at the end of chapter 30, uh, saying that first was to make sure that you saw Jesus revealed and that you also believed. And here is this story of the wedding of Cana where Jesus' glory is revealed through this act, through this miracle, through this sign, and that the disciples believed. And so we have the purpose of, of the book of John with the first sign, the first story of the miracle of what Jesus accomplished. So an amazing story, and I want to pull some things out of this that, that we can apply to our own faith, to our life, to understand who we are, to understand why this story is important to us. Uh, the first and the, the key word basically throughout this whole thing is an invitation. Because why was Jesus there? He was invited. Uh, verse 2 says, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. 
And we don't know if Mary knew the family, if Jesus knew the family, if they just happened to be traveling through, and it was just the corporate entire village comes and celebrates with these families. Um, but Jesus was invited to the wedding. And the most obvious application to that is when you get married, invite Jesus to your wedding um, to be part of this ceremony. Uh, and what an important start. It really should start while you're dating and even seeking a spouse. But Jesus needs to be part of the wedding. Jesus needs to also be part of the marriage. It's easy to do some, some symbolic unity candles and crosses and, and different things with tying, tying ropes and strings and, and all of that. But it's so much more than a symbol. It is inviting Jesus into your marriage. And then not just the day of your wedding, but through the rest of your marriage. And to understand that it's an important piece of who we are in, in, our, in our marriages. And I just did a wedding just over a week ago. And can I tell you, and there, there is a lot of happiness in weddings. And I love receptions. I love doing weddings because of the joy. But this couple that I did, they had some of the greatest joy. Uh, there is a lot of backstory to that. But the, the joy because of their faith and their love for each other. Uh, was so, so incredible and so encouraging. Uh, Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they will labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So just a quick side note about keeping Christ invited to not only your wedding, to your marriage uh, each and every day. And then not just wedding, not just a, an important part of who you're your, or an important piece of your life, but also invite Jesus to your life, all of your life, every little bit. It's easy to show up to church on Sunday once a week. It's easy to kind of, you know, call out to Jesus during the hard times. But do you realize that this story shows here's an important piece to this couple, this important part of their life, but it shows us that, that Jesus is all about every aspect of our life, every little detail. Um, understanding that even in the little things, Jesus wants to be Lord of, that, of those things. And sometimes we don't ask him to, to come and be involved uh, with the, the little things. We wait for the big things that we can't handle. We wait for the big, devastating uh, events in our life to call out to Jesus. But why aren't we inviting Jesus to every little bit of our life. And Jesus is concerned about the little things. It is important uh, to this couple and to Mary for this situation, uh, but can you imagine to come to Jesus with everything uh, in our life? And Jesus has our interests in mind, and his grace is abundant in every single situation. Turn with me to Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. And here is the relationship that we have in Jesus with the Father in the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If ye then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here's even a passage talking about 
a child asking for bread or for a fish, something small, just a snack, and then applying that to our relationship with the Father, uh, that we can come to God with everything, everything, every little thing in our life, and knowing that He cares about those things. Uh, He wants to meet our needs and wants to take care of us. And by the way, Jesus supersizes. Do you remember McDonald's where they're supersized? You can supersize your meal. Look at what the times that Jesus has taken a prayer request in your life, not only answered that prayer request, but then added on to it. We see this in, in the wedding. You know, the couple, who knows if they needed 120 gallons of good wine, okay? Jesus surpassed probably what they needed. You know, he could have been, he could have calculated exactly to the last drop what he needed, but they, he probably went over and above. Uh, and I know I've shared this story, but it is my go-to supersized story that God did. Uh, Carrie and I, when we got married, had our little two-year plan to wait till we have children. Uh, and then after that, we were like, okay, it, it's time. We got to know each other. We're better parents, ready to go. Well, that little two years turned into almost five years before we could get uh, pregnant. And we tried everything. The devastation came, uh, the angst, the sadness. We went the whole medical route to try to figure things out. And we were in the middle of that process. And there was a gap of time where there wasn't anything medically that we were necessarily doing while we got pregnant. And, and there's Tyler. And we were blown away. Thank you, Jesus, for answering our prayers. I mean, we, the blessing was phenomenal. Like, that was amazing. We were ready to look at adoption. We were ready to do whatever. Never expected that. And so we were blown away to the point that after a period of time, we were like, well, we're not going to get pregnant again. We got our, our bonus, you know, child out of our prayer. Yeah, oh, ye of little faith. Um, <laughs> We started an adoption process uh, before Ryan, and all of, we were about to send our first check, I think, financially in this adoption process. Well, there's Ryan. Now, I know how Ryan came about. Anyway, <laughs> but, but Ryan's there, and I'm like, wow, God, like, what happened in our life? Thank you. We're done. This is good. Um, and, and had maybe a little too much faith in after that to where we thought we were set, you know, God bless us, thank you, and, I, and now listen, I understand that, that that is hard to hear if you're struggling. Please know my heart. Um, that was difficult um, to be in, that, in the, the place that you can't get pregnant and to hear, oh, it's a blessing. Well, God, are you not blessing me? I get that. Please know that. Um, I didn't share that with first service. That just hit me now. <clears throat> Please know that. It's a real struggle. Long story short, all of a sudden, here comes Cameron. Um, third child. You know, at that point, it was like, okay, maybe we need to take care of some stuff on our end, if you know what I mean. But here is God, our prayer, simply for a child, and now we have three. Um, look for the times that Jesus supersizes your prayers. Look for the times that you are praying for something. Sometimes it's a crazy curveball that comes in that you're not ready for. Um, but understand that, that, that Jesus is all in with us. God the Father is all in with us. The Holy Spirit's at work, and we've got to continue to trust him. Um, so invite Jesus to our life. 
uh, make him part of our life. Here's the cool thing about God. He flipped the script. Because what did he do? Jesus invited the servants to partake in the miracle. Now the invitation is coming back to us. In verse 7, it says, Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Now Jesus could have filled the pots by himself, right? He could have had the wine already there and all of that, but yet he wanted to include the servants. He wanted them to experience and to be a part of what his work was all about. And I have a feeling it doesn't share this, but I pray that these servants came to know him as Savior and Messiah uh, because of seeing his act and his work. And we're going to see throughout John, we're going to see through other miracles that, John, that Jesus included others as part of the process. We're going to come across the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus could have, you know, zapped all the baskets and the, the bread and the fish to everyone, right? But the disciples went and handed him out. Um, he heals the, the blind man uh, who was born blind and does his mud cake and puts it on, on the blind man's uh, eyes. And he could have wiped it off, but he told the blind man to go and wipe them off himself. Uh, we have the raising of Lazarus. La- Jesus could have moved the stone by himself, but he had people participate in, in moving the stone for Lazarus. So how awesome is it that we get to see firsthand these signs, these wonders, these miracles of Jesus uh, in our life? And are we looking at it? Or are we missing the, the little cheesy printed out signs above the door? Um, how intentional are we at looking and seeing what Jesus is doing? Because he's allowed us to participate. He's allowed us to, to seek after him, uh, to allow us to participate and to act out um, his work, to be his hands and feet. And it's significant to know that the servants knew of the source of the special wine, and they were in on the secret. Um, but we are not just the servants, we are also his friends. Uh, remember in John 15, let me read to you verse, verses 14 and 15. It says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. We have access to what Jesus is doing. We have access to the plan that the Father has for our life. Uh, And and that's this intimate relationship that we have. And it takes faith. Could you imagine, sometimes we feel God's calling us to do something, and we start doing it, and we're like, all right, where's this sign? Where's this miracle? Think of the servants with the water, okay? All of a sudden, Jesus asked them to fill these, these big uh, pots up with water and take it to the master of the feast. Now, the master of the feast is probably stressed out already. Everyone's on edge. They're out of wine. And this guy's asking us to fill the things with water and then take a sip of the water to the master. Like, he's going to lose his mind. Uh, and, but it took faith to obey Jesus. It took faith for these servants to go and to trust. And then we see the miracle of the water turn to wine. Uh, and so invite him into our life, and he has also invited us to be a part of his work. And a more important invitation is that he, Jesus was invited to a wedding, but we have also been invited to a wedding. We have also been invited to 
a, a marriage of the lamb, the groom, and his church, the bride. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Because we need to ask Jesus in our heart, and we use that for salvation, but we need to invite Jesus into our spiritual life. Um, we need to have that invitation uh, to enter into a relation, to encounter Jesus. Uh, but there's an invitation coming that we desperately need. Um, and that is because of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 27. Here's another picture of marriage. Um, and Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, as I get there, says this, Husbands, love your wives. Guys, today, all right? Love your wives. Um, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now verse 27 is setting us up for this marriage that's to come. Turn with me now to, Re to Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. Because Christ Jesus gave himself for us by dying on the cross for our sins, uh, he was buried and rose again, conquering sin and death, and in that we have salvation. Uh, we have the free gift of salvation. We become the church as believers, and we are the bride. So now read with me uh, Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. <clears throat> For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. You can't have that invitation without having Christ as Savior and Lord. You can't be invited to this wedding feast uh, without knowing personally that Jesus is your Messiah, your Savior, your Lord. And my prayer is that if there is anyone here that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, please come and talk to me or someone about what that means to invite Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, to then be invited to this wedding with uh, Jesus and his church, who we are part of as, as receiving him as, as our Savior. Uh, and so I don't want anyone to miss out on this invitation to this wedding. And as I close, I want us to, to be challenged as believers. Uh, similar to, to talking about, you know, including Jesus in all that we do, even the little things, sometimes we kind of get busy. Uh, sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we think we have it all figured out. But my challenge to us as believers is to continue to invite him into all parts of our life. Verse 11 says, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, hold on a second. It, we already talked about the the disciples believing in him, right, these last couple of Sundays. So why does John say that they believed in him, 
this wasn't a new belief in Christ as Savior. It was a deeper belief. It was a deeper understanding, a bigger picture of Jesus as the Son of God, as Messiah. And that's our challenge, that we continue to grow in our faith, continue to see the amazing signs and works of Christ in our life. That is why the end of chapter 1, when Jesus turns to Nathanael and says, you will see greater things than these. It wasn't just one thing. It's continual. Nathanael's going to see some amazing things in his own life. We are going to continue to see some amazing things in our life as we walk in this world with Christ as our Savior and as we continue to seek after him and to look for the signs and to invite him in to areas of our life that we haven't invited him in and we've tried to block him out. Um, We have an amazing faith and growth in the depth of the belief that we have because Jesus continues to do a work in our life. So let's continue to look for signs of Jesus working in our life and continuing to invite him in every part and allowing him to be in every part of our life. Please pray with me as we close this time and as we prepare to go into the invitation. Father, I thank you for this beautiful picture of this wedding, uh, the joy that came with it, uh, the situation that came. And Father, uh, with the work of Jesus turning the water into wine, that simple act uh, that not everyone saw still brought him glory, uh, still brought those who followed him to believe. And Father, I pray that you continue to do a work in our life, that we continue to seek after you and to not miss these signs of your activity in our life, these times that we get to see you at work. Father, help us to just continue to run after you with all things. Uh, that you continue to mold us and to make us into who you want us to be, and that we're more willing and more excited about our faith uh, to grow in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.